Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100 Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week, first time on the pod, please, welcome into your hearts, welcome into your ears, it's Susie Yusuf, everyone, yay! Hello, Josh Earl, hello, Gompies. Yes, that's it, call them Gompies, they love it, everyone loves being called a Gompie. How you doing? I'm really well, how are you? I'm alright, so this album we're going to talk about, Volume 32, Side A, came out in the year 2000. What do you remember about the year 2000? Well, we'd all just survived the apocalypse, so it was a big year. Y2K. We were going to die. Were you worried at all about Y2K? Um, I mean, I don't think I was that worried. I felt like at the the beginning of the chats about Y2K were very concerning, and the closer it got to it, we were like, well, what can we do? Yeah. And at the time, my dad was working for an Italian millionaire, (laughs) a very brief period in his life, and he had bought all these tickets to a showboat on the harbour for... 99 2000 new year's eve yep um but they never sold so our whole family got to go on these show boats oh it was pretty exciting times although and kamal was on the boat it was pretty cool um but there was a party going on that i never got to go to and it ended up being like the party that everyone has spoken about since as in like your friends were having this party yeah yeah but you were on the i was on on the show boat boat with kamal yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was the worst (laughs) so i remember for new year's eve that year i was me and my girlfriend at the time didn't know what we we're doing and a lot of other who were going down the east coast of Tasmania so we thought we'll just get in the car and we'll go down there of course we get to the campsite everywhere's booked out so we just parked the car went down to the beach where there was a a beach dj called dj daz and i remember he played mambo number no. 5 about 6 times in the night <laughs> people danced every single time and then we slept in the back of the car and in the morning the like the forest no what is it the, the park officers came and knocked down our window very loudly said you can't be here where's your permit so we had to drive off were you or anyone you were with worried about y2k no we just the only thing i think we were saying i wouldn't be on a flight because the, no. they talked about the planes falling out of the air but yeah, yeah that's that, right that was it but this was this this album came out near the end of the year as well so yeah. we've we've had the olympics Oh, of course. We've seen Nikki Webster in ribbons yeah, come down a, from the centre. It's been a massive year. It's been a huge year. I remember going to see the handball at the Olympics and I'd never seen European handball before and it was amazing. Handball is one of those sports that it needs a different name because it's a lot more full on than it suggests. So handball to me was yeah. when as a kid you just banged a ball up against a wall. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but no, this is... But, but European handball is like, should be called like jumpy fitness or something i don't know <laughs> yeah that's it gold that's for jumpy fitness <laughs> uh also susie i don't think we've ever had a conversation about music are you a big music fan 
I'm a big music fan. I feel like my a friend of mine said to me the other day that I just kind of stopped listening in the mid 2000s to music, which I kind of feel like I did. I didn't really, but like I, I just all of my references for movies and music are like much older than yeah. I am. What was there a band in particular that was like this is this is the band that you love? Um, the first concert I ever went to was live. Ah, oh. and they were supported by Sugar Ray, but I don't think that's indicative of my music tastes. We've talked about both first... those bands a lot on this show. Yeah, I bet. Because yeah. that would have been in the mid-90s mid, mid 90s or late 90s. Um, but it was just the first concert my parents would ever let me go to. I hardly wanted to go to Crowded House on the steps of the Opera House and they wouldn't let me go. Really? Yeah, so that crowded, was like... I mean, unless it was for there's too many people and we I won't get a park, I understand a parent that way. But Crowded House would be for a, a child to go to. You go, yeah, that's... That's a good one. You're not yeah. going to get Oh, absolutely. The no, they were just strict they were just strict parents. They yeah. were just very strict parents. But I wore them down with sugar ray. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to kick off side A of volume 32 with a very very big song. We've talked about them in the past. This is Madison Avenue and their song which could have been an alternative name for my other podcast. Who the hell are you? <laughs> Here we go. Absolute banger. It's still really good. Yeah. I remember this film clip. Shane Coates wearing, like, I remember lots of blue, like, backgrounds and blue, yeah. short blue shorts. It was set like an ice bar as yeah. well, like a young right. Russian ice bar. Oh, that's right. It had the big white fluffy hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta to get to the chorus. Oh, it's coming! It's coming, Josh. All right. Now you can see why that was a hit. Yeah, that's one hundred percent a hit. That's a good 32. song. So this is the second single from their only album. They only made one album. The first single would have been their biggest. Oh, that was a pretty big song, but uh, Don't Call Me Baby would have been a yeah, bigger song for them. It was. Although this one went to number one, where Don't Call Me Baby went to number two, but it sold more. Ah, okay. Yeah. So this went yeah, straight I, to number one. I vividly remember this film clip because I think it was a big time for Ice Bars. Like yeah. it was like Ice Bars were the thing where you put on a big coat and you walked into a bar and you drank vodka um, and it was very uncomfortable for everyone. But this clip, I think she's got, it's like really blown out colours. She's got the blue fur going on. Yeah, it was, it was a great song. And I'm guessing the other members just in the corner DJing in the ice yes. bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it was number one in Australia for two weeks. Then it got knocked off by Kylie's Spinning Around, which is Fair also enough. another good song. It went yep. top 10 in the UK, number one on the US dance club charts and number yep. one in Belgium. Big in Belgium. Yeah, I can see that. Big in Belgium, that makes sense. It's got that European vibe. Yeah. So this um, song, most famous now, when you type in this, is Aria's performance. 
Now, do you know about the Madison Avenue Aria's performance? No. So I watched it. At the time, it was a little bit controversial because they did a medley of songs. So Shane Coates, front and center, she's flanked by yep. five dancers. And they're just, they do like, uh, don't call me baby. And then they go into a kind of just a instrumental number, I'm guessing mm-hmm. to catch a breath. Then they go into this song. And during this song, she motions to someone side of stage, the water signal. Can I have a glass of water? They bring out water, but because the song, there's no time for her to drink it. She goes there and she doesn't have time because she's singing. She puts it down just in the middle of the, of the like stage. But where yeah. the camera's set, it's just the camera is just focused on this glass of water looking up at her. So the water is the main thing in the shot. And instead of the director upstairs going, all right, we'll change that camera angle. We'll just do it. They stay on it for so long and they keep cutting back to it. And people, Do you remember this? I remember it, but I remember the controversy afterwards. I remember watching it, just not even, just going, oh, that's funny. But then mm. because it was the 2000s and people were still very worried in this country. And I mean, they are now, but not to the extent they were back then, about dance music and drug use. And they yes. thought this was some code to ecstasy because do you remember the book uh, about the girl Anna Wood who? Uh, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So I remember Anna Wood's parents came to our school and spoke to us. Yeah. So for those who don't know, so Anna Wood, she was, I think, 16. Mm. She uh, took ecstasy and then died the next morning because apparently she drank too much water. And I think it was something like that. And, and there was a chemical reaction in her brain that couldn't break down the water enzymes. And yeah, so very, very sad. But, and so people were talking about that in relation to Anna Wood, that well, glass of water. Not talking about, the, but they were just talking about this is definitely if you take ecstasy, you need to drink a lot of water. That's what it does to you. And so they thought this was a, a reference to ecstasy, and they thought that Shane Coates was on drugs. Wow. Yeah, and she wasn't. She was just singing and going, "Oh, can I get a glass of water? Oh, I, I don't have time to drink it. I'll just put it down because she had to dance." I mean, this is still the dawn of the internet. This is like the internet's not even 10 years old yet. Yeah. So this is probably like in chat rooms. People on ICQ are probably talking about this every night. It yeah. would have been huge. This is when conspiracy theories were fun. It was like, yeah. hey, <laughs> Madison Avenue, I think they're on ecstasy. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they only lasted one album. Um, Andy Van, the other member of the band, he said they went to work on the second album and he wanted to make music for clubs and Shane wanted to go in a more pop direction. Mm. And so they went, Oh, let's just go and do our own stuff. And they, he said, it wasn't like a big bust up. They were both, they're both still friends. And uh, I mean, there's the, the two songs, the two hits are almost indistinguishable. Yeah. Yeah. They really, it's really like an extension of the same song in many ways. Yeah. So am I surprised they didn't have a second album? No, not really. And it's interesting though, if they're the first two singles, if they, Released one, it was a hit, and then they wrote this one off the back of it and going, mm. oh, this is how we do it. Or they were just like, this is how we write songs. They're going to sound like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving but on. But definitely a hit. Definitely a hit. Moving on. Now, I think this might be the first time on the podcast for her. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but this is another huge, huge song. This is Britney Spears with Oops! Exclamation mark dot, 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 I did it again, which I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I'm not an English teacher, but you can't have an ellipsis after an exclamation, can you? 
I don't think he can. And I also don't think you need the exclamation. I think, oops. oops. It's kind of like an inbuilt exclamation. Because I always thought exclamation means you're kind of yelling it. So no one really yells oops, do they? And she sings it like oops, full stop, I full stop. That's how she sings it. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) here's the song we're talking about. Oops, I did it again. Britney Spears. Again, I remember the film clip. Film clip is amazing. We'll talk about the film clip. It's it's batshit. <laughs> but still a banger. It's a good song. Yeah. It does seem a bit slower than I remember it though. Yeah, it does. Is this before or after Baby One More Time? After. After. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, Brittany. I, lo- I love all the effects. Yeah. I love like the, yeah, she's she's amazing. All right. So this but is, I'm... no, you go. No, 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 you go. I was going to say, this is another Max Martin uh, classic. He's yes. on, on, also written by Rami Yacoub, uh, I mean, who also wrote Hit Me Baby One More Time. So that okay. was the team who gave her that massive hit. Yeah. So we talked about the film clip. So for those who don't remember, this is the red vinyl jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. She actually got this a concussion the, while the, filming it. Did she? Yeah, she got whacked in the head with a camera. A camera lens whacked her in the head and she needed stitches. So you know that poor camera guy, he's got fired. <laughs> Never worked again. Can you imagine? Like Brittany at the time, the height of her powers and someone knocking her in the head going, all right, you're done. Yeah. Just leave. They would have they would have been over that, that that career is gone forever yeah um it was a it was an iconic film clip but i do remember like we spent a lot my sisters and i spent a lot of time watching video hits and rage yeah so film clips of this era are like imprinted on your brain and this was like amazing choreography she's got the slicked um like long blonde hair and the red jumpsuit and the like, backup dancers and all of that but there's like a long intro where a, so- a yeah. space guy lands on Mars. Yep, that's it. So this is what happened. So she's she's so big, and they say, "What do you want your film to be?" She goes, "I don't know, but I want it to be set on Mars, and I want to be wearing a red jumpsuit." So they went, "Okay, Amazing. cool." Tick, tick. It's got nothing to do with the song. So, nothing at all. Oh no! Remember, oops, I did it again because she she space traveled the year before. Oh no, oh. I've done it again. Yeah, yeah, that's what she was saying. <laughs> so, ground control. Uh, they find a picture of Britney and they see it on down in Ground Control. On a they, rock, though? Or something? Yes. Yeah. And they're like, what is it? And he says, cute. What is it? And the astronaut says, it's cute, all right. And then we hear, well, 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 yeah. And Britney <laughs> and the dancers start singing. He then is watching it and falls in love with Britney. She yes. goes over, takes his helmet off, even though they're on Mars. <gasps> And, and does his head explode? No, you, no. It gets a bit bigger, but then it, it just settles down. Okay. 
Then That's scientifically accurate, of course. By the end of the song, he's a, he says, "I've got something for you," and he oh, gives yes. her. Do it's you the remember? heart of the ocean. Yes, the necklace from the oh. Titanic, which was a film that came out three years before and has nothing to do with Mars at oh all. Oh my gosh! Like that's in the bottom of the ocean, not oh, up on Mars. That's so funny. And she says something like, "I uh, I thought the old lady yeah. threw it in the water or something like that." Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Like someone just had to say oh britney it doesn't really make sense like but no one would have no. this is like she's if if what if this is just after the hit me baby one more time yeah. then she is like top of her game yeah absolutely and no one there's only yes people around her at this point and they're like yeah of course it makes sense yeah. we're on mars and we should talk about the titanic jewelry piece like Oh, this is incredible. And also they're going, well, her audience are her age. So if it makes sense to her, it's going to make sense to her audience. That's Yeah. yeah. So it was it was a huge song. Number one in 21 countries. Australia, UK, and Hungary, of course. Okay. Only got to number nine in the States, though. Oh. Which Yeah, I'm surprised me. about that. Well, I looked into it, and it's because they wanted people to buy the albums. They didn't release them as singles. They released them to uh. radio, so they got lots of radio play, but they wanted the albums to sell because they made more money that way. I bought a lot of singles. I loved like I loved album art and stuff like that. So yeah. I would buy a lot of singles in the day. I thought that were great. Well, this is the other thing about this song as well. So didn't get to number one in, in the in the US, but the US Navy rank it as the number one song to play to ward off Somali pirates. Somali pirates hate that song. They do. This is true. Apparently, this and I read this is an actual. <laughs> I read it from Time. This is where it was. They said that uh, people in the Navy were like going, Somali pirates, they hate Western culture. They especially hate pop music. Mm-hmm. And so we had our on our Navy, Navy vessels, our speakers direct, if we saw any Somali pirates, direct the speakers at them and blasted at them and they would sail away from us. See, that's a better film clip as well. <laughs> Just have her at the front of a naval vessel. Just like ridding the world of piracy. And then, but then the pirates come on and it's like Captain Phillips. And instead of saying, I'm the captain now, they say, I'm the DJ now. And then they play it again. And then they all love, They and then she brings them all together. That's it. Call the record companies. We're reshooting it. It's perfect. We've done it. All right. Her Vegas show. That's what's going to happen. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy to be playing this song. This is Robbie Williams. And his absolute banger, Rock DJ. That's all you need to play to fill a dance floor, even to this day. Yep. Me with the floor show, kicking with your torso. Boys getting high and the girls even more so. Wave your hands if you're not with a man. Can I kick it? Ready? I got, you got, we got everybody. Got the gift, gonna stick it in the goal. It's time to move it by day. Having long back in business, can I get a witness? Every girl, every man. This is peak Robbie cheekiness. Yeah. yeah. This is when I realized I like Robbie Williams. Yeah. I tried to I tried to not, but I'm like, nah, he's nah, he's good. It's fun. And when you talk about film clips. This was a great film. Oh, yeah. All right. 
Is Thanks, he on Robbie. an ice rink? A uh, roller skating rink. Yes. Roller skating rink. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The film clip actually got the song banned in the Dominican Republic because they believed it promoted Satanism. Yeah, well, so it for, ends in a pretty dramatic way. For those who have never seen it, it is him trying to get the attention of a female DJ, and so he's on the skating rink dancing, taking off his clothes. He takes off all his clothes. She's not impressed. So then he removes his There's skin. Lots of, lots of winking at the camera, yeah. lots of, like, Robbie tats and stuff like that. Yeah. Then he removes his skin, <laughs> and then he starts throwing his muscles around on people oh, who are skating past, so they're all covered up. in blood. And then at the end, he's just a skeleton. And then she comes down and she starts dancing with the skeleton. Now, I didn't know this. In most of the world, they cut it when he got naked. That's where it ended. Oh. They didn't see the body and the skeleton. I mean, that's the climax. I know. In Australia. But I have to admit, I looked away. I hated the end of this film. Oh, see, I thought it was great. Oh, no, I couldn't take it. I mean, I'm not very good with blood and guts anyway, but this was like, because, you know, he's a hot dude and he gets his gear off and they blur out his penis, I think, yep. and and then he grabs his skin and it's so gory. Like it's not like animated, like, oh, no, now we're throwing muscles around. It's like dripping blood and guts, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and he's just throwing it in people's faces as they, as they skate past. Because the- See, this just makes me think that if that woman... <laughs> That DJ, she would have been in love with like the villains from the Karate Kid, like in the, all of their like skeleton yeah. outfits. Just go down that path. <laughs> like, what are you waiting for Robbie Williams to take all his guts out? Um, so the uh, what was I going to say? So the song was a huge hit. It was his third number one solo single in the UK. Uh, didn't break the US. He never okay. really has. One of these artists who just <laughs> didn't break the US. I, I think he because he lives there now. And he's got a really nice house and he, his kids are old enough to, he, I remember him saying, I had to show them me at Wembley Stadium to prove that I was a really big pop star everywhere else in the yeah. world. No one in America knows who he is apart from English I'm people. I'm so surprised. Like that's a massive song. I guess we're on the other side of the world and you just can't really tell, but I feel like, I feel like that would be at every party ever. Yeah. It got to four here and which I thought it was a number one song here. Mm. Um, but yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. So the fact they cut off the film clip, the single is him without his skin on. So it wouldn't have made any sense if he had no context of like, yeah, just a zombie Robbie Williams. What were his other hits before this one? Oh, well, he had Angels. That was the huge yeah. song. And then uh, I forget what the, I think we even played it a, a, another time. Um, but yeah. But in Australia, yeah. I think this was the first major, apart from Take That Days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so apparently he uh, was inspired by Ian Jury from uh, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll fame. Uh, and they were mates, but Ian Jury died early in 2000. And Robbie, when he was recording, said he wanted an Ian Jury type song. And so he kind of just set out into the ether, Ian, if you're up there, help me out. And then he said that <laughs> the lyrics just came to him, which is like, Singing in the classes, music for your, oh, singing in the classes, music for your masses, give no head, no backstage passes. So masses. It's yeah. truly divine intervention that brought those words down. And then, yeah. And so he said that was, that was a gift from Ian up in heaven. <laughs> and then the rest of it, he's just, he goes, I'm no good with lyrics. So I just nicked a bunch of hip hop songs I liked. So with the whole, can you kick it? Yes, you can. 
all that kind of stuff. Uh, Dougie, Dougie Fresh and Slick Ricks, uh, but not rock the mic, all that kind of stuff. That's so funny. That's all you need to do. That's that's it. So do you, he, he doesn't get in trouble for any of that? Unless he gives them writing credits. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But honestly, this is one of those songs where I didn't realise quite how old it was. Like if, if you told me this came out 10 years ago, I would have believed you. Yeah. Bro, there's like with pop songs though, like there's so many, but none of them have breakthrough like they used to. No. The last big pop song in this country was Tones and I with mm. Dance Monkey, which holds, yeah. I think holds the record for the longest number one aria um, song. 26 weeks. That's, the, that's one of the biggest earworms. That just, once that gets in, you're done. Yeah. All right. Moving on. A song that is not on Spotify. This is Fragma. So some German trance uh, music and their song, Toker's Miracle. Here we go. This song tastes like Midori. Yeah. Uh, takes me back to the saloon bar in Launceston. <laughs> On uni night, which was Wednesday night. I was going to ask, did you have specific nights? Yeah. And there was the saloon bar and then there was another club. I can't remember what it was, but it was, um, you get Midori, no. Illusions? No, it was fishbowl daiquiris was their big thing. $10 fishbowl daiquiris was the size of your head. We had illusions teapots. And then we build it up again. Yep. And then it kicks in again. But that's all we can play. <laughs> Thanks, Fragma. All right. If you had, if just reading that, I have no idea what that song is. But as soon as you start playing it, I know yeah. it. It's great. So this was the second single of Fragment's debut album uh, called Toka. And it's a mashup of Coco's I Need a Miracle, which came out in 96, and Fragment's own Toka Me. So it was a worldwide hit. Some critics say it's the greatest dance song of all time. Wow, that's a bit cool. It is. So it was their best-selling single, single. It topped the UK charts in April and went top 10 in Australia, Denmark, Ireland, Italy, and Norway. So this is, this is how it came to be. So a British DJ, uh, DJ Vimto, mashed them together himself, the Coco's a cappella vocals, and put them on top of uh, Toko Ma, and then did an illegal bootleg copy of it, got the attention of DJs, they started playing it, and so Fragma, who was signed to Positiva Records, went, release it. Do your own version of that and release it. So they... They pretty much stole the bootleg version and just did it themselves. They bootlegged a bootleg. Yeah. So it makes them a lot of money, but this is 
like all things in the industry, so it made the label money, it made mm. Fragma money, but Coco Star, the female vocalist, revealed in 2012 she didn't get a cent from this, even That's though bullshit. they said they were going to send her stuff. And so uh, she's never been paid for a vocal contribution, she said, despite it selling over 3 million copies worldwide. She also said she didn't receive any airplay royalties until 2016. So I'm that not sure... Would- Oh, I'm not sure if that's gosh, backdated that would break your heart. or if it's like, all right, now you get airplay royalties from 2016 onwards, but not when it was on the airwaves, not when it was yeah, like not the when it, one song. Not when it was playing all the time. Yeah. It's, it is one of those like um, dance floor anthems that I feel like movies at the time would have used. Yeah. Um, and they definitely, like Thursday nights at uh, the Greenwood in North Sydney played it a lot. Like that's, as soon as I heard it, I can just like smell that place. Um, it's yeah, it smells like links, is what it smells like. It tastes like Midori. <laughs> uh, did you so when you're at uni, what, what years were you at uni? Uh, I was so I finished school in 2001, yeah, but I had a fake ID because I was a bit young for my year. Um, and so we went out a little bit in 11 and 12, yeah, and yeah, so this is this is year 11 for me. Did you go to the clubs for long or were you? Got there and went. I'd, I'm, this is not my scene. Uh, I was not really a club person. I was more a party person. Like yeah. I loved to dance and I loved drinking, but I was not. Yeah, I didn't really like go. I wasn't popping pills and doing all that. Yeah, I, I was more the designated driver than anything else. I was the same. I never liked nightclubs. As as a no. small man, I was like, I'm easily fought here, especially at the saloon bar in Launceston. Can I just tell you, it was fights every single time I went there. Yeah. Oh, totally. I I went to a club once in the middle of the city and got punched in the face. Yeah. Like I've had a black eye. I've had one black eye from that incident. And so, yeah, it's, I totally get that. Yeah. Being short in a nightclub is not a fun thing. No. Or, or live gigs, to be honest. You've got to be out the front. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on. Now this was, we talked about Britney being at the height of her powers. This was the biggest boy band of the year 2000. This is from their album, No Strings Attached. The album sold 2.4 million copies in its first week. That's a million more copies than Britney did with Oops, I Did It Again. This is NSYNC and their song, It's Gonna Be Me. What an intro. It's really good. Everything is slower than I thought it was. Yeah. Justin. Look, it's mostly Justin. Mostly Justin. And JC. You know, there's some shoulders going on here. So nobody ever sold 2 million copies in a week before. No one has ever done that. Adele's since done it, but that was a decade after uh, they did it. But do you think they were the biggest boy band of the year 2000? They were in America. So Backstreet Boys, they also released an album. We'll talk about Backstreet Boys coming up, but their album only sold like 1 million. 
Mm. But okay, they they're in they're entwined. These two bands. Yes. So it sold. I mean, the the label didn't release singles, but they did release this one. So this is the only number one single in the states for NSYNC. Which is yeah, a very weird thing. Like you look at the single charts, and like they, mm. even though they were all over MTV, all over all the like music magazines, they weren't releasing singles because of the whole I thing. We want people that. to buy albums. Yeah. Uh, so the band were put together by Lou Pearlman, who was also responsible for the Backstreet Boys. He got in the music industry when New Kids on the Block hired one of his blimps. That was his industry. He was in the blimp industry. And their manager, <laughs> natural told, progression. Yeah, their manager told Lou how much the band was making. So Lou, inspired by that, held auditions in his blimp hangar and put together the Backstreet Boys. Now, NSYNC were put together because he wanted another band in the market while the Backstreet Boys were busy recording their next album. He did not tell the Backstreet Boys he was doing this. And so when NSYNC came out and realized they were on the same label and had the same manager, undoubt, like you could easily see they were quite annoyed. He'd be furious. So in 95, Chris Kilpatrick was a student in Orlando and he was working at Universal Studios and he was in a cappella group called the Hollywood High Tones. And so Lou Perlman was introduced to him and Perlman thought, this is a great idea. So he bankrolled Kilpatrick and to go find a bunch of other young singers. So he found uh, Justin Timberlake because they'd, uh, they'd done an audition together mm-hmm. and also JC, uh, is it? Chase, Chase, Chases. I don't know how to say his surname. Chase with a Z <laughs> on the end. Chases. I don't know. Ah, uh, and they'd both been uh, in the uh, new Mickey Mouse Club alongside Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. That's right, because he's a child. They were both child stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then Disney cancelled the Mickey Mouse Club, and they worked at like so. JC worked at Universal Studios. Um, with uh, the other guy, Chris, and they worked uh, in something called Beetlejuice at Graveyard Review. And uh, then they found Joey Fatoni, who'd also worked at Beetlejuice Graveyard Review. He was the Wolfman. And then the bass singer, Jason Galasso. So that was the five. They called themselves NSYNC because it was the last letters of all five members' first names. But Didn't then, know that. But then Jason dropped out. And then they recruited 16-year-old Lance Bass, but they kept the name. So they could have been, <laughs> they could have been E-Sync. <laughs> That's, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yep. So their first gig was ever at Disney World's Pleasure Island in 95. Okay. So running both uh, Backstreet Boys and N-Sync, uh, Lou Perlman, also, no surprises, robbing them blind. They, yeah. So they sued Perlman in 98 for fraud, claiming he'd kept most of their money and treated them as indentured servants. And that was the Backstreet Boys. So once Both bands? Well, Backstreet Boys started and then NSYNC went, oh, we better look into it and realise they'd been doing the same. So yeah. NSYNC, even though they were selling millions of records, they were getting $35 a day in per diems. That sucks. <laughs> and also NSYNC, in the contract, Lou Perlman had put himself down as the sixth member of the group. And so he was getting songwriting He was also getting $35 well. a day. Yeah. <laughs> so when they went to uh, court, the Florida judge uh, looked at Lou Perlman and said, so you're telling me that you're a member of NSYNC. So 
the poster that my daughter has on her wall, you're in that poster because that's NSYNC. And he's like, I'm not in that poster. And then the judge was like, well, you're not in NSYNC. And then kicked, yeah, so NSYNC won. And then he threw down the gavel and everyone stood up and cheered. And yeah. then he was like, and the final test is, can you do the choreography? And he couldn't. <laughs> uh, Lou Perlman then, um, you know, left the music industry uh, and set up a Ponzi scheme, got found out. Uh, he was... He'd fled the FBI. He was holidaying in Bali, but a German tourist had recognized him. And he got uh, sent back to the US where he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. And he died there in 2016. He was 62 years old. Wow. Interestingly, though, all of his travel was by blimp. <laughs> that's how they didn't catch him. Yeah. That's how he saved money. They were too scared to get too close in case it popped. And he, then it went <laughs> really fast. Hey, this song also written by Max Martin and Rami, who wrote, Oops, I Did It Again. Big year for these two. They're having a massive year. Yeah. And that is, I would say that song is without a doubt a hit, but I was not a big boy band person. I was probably just a little bit too old for boy bands at this point. Yeah. But they were massive. I know how obsessed everyone was. Um, But JT fan, yes. Yeah, he was by far the standout. Yeah. All right, moving on. This is now known, we've talked about in in the past as Billy... Now, full name, Billy Piper, and this is her song, Day and Night. Here we go. So I'm not that innocent. That's what it sounds like. It's exactly what it sounds like. All right, we'll stop it there. I didn't realize that until I just heard it then. That's, yeah, that got in my head. Yeah, that, I completely agree with that. But I have no memory of this song. I don't remember this song either, even though apparently it peaked at number eight in this country. No, I don't think I've ever heard it before. So I, I hadn't until like the other night when I started doing the research for this. Uh, the people in the UK, though, were very looking much forward, looking much forward to this song. So Billy, yeah, Billy Piper, huge. Yes, I, I likened her in previous episodes as uh, like the late nineties uh, Lily Allen, kind yeah. of this young, brash, really funny, loved a party, maybe had some uh, deeper issues going on. So this was <laughs> off her second album. Uh, so she had huge hits with Honey to the Bee, and then this oh, yeah. went straight to number one in the UK. But it was her final ever number one. People were like, "Oh, it's not, it's not really what." I thought it would be. So it was co-written by Billy Piper with Elliot Kennedy, who had been working with the Spice Girls, plus two members mm-hmm. of the band Dead or Alive, uh, okay. Mike Percy and Tim Lever. Uh, the album did fine, but not what the label expected. And a fourth single was meant to um, be released, which was going to be a cover of The Tide is High. But Billy Piper said, don't release it. I'm too no. tired. No one gives a shit. 
And <laughs> she'd also, at that stage, was uh, in a court battle with a stalker who threatened to kill Billy Piper's family. Oh, so she was dealing with a lot, a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, and she, she's got an autobiography out, which she only wrote. It's called Growing Pains. And she said she only wrote it because she heard there was an unauthorized uh, bio coming out. And she was like, look, if the, someone's going to make money off it, I might as well do it myself. And so mm. uh, she wrote it. And in that, she talked about around this time she was dealing with eating disorders because some TV presenter said, oh, you're looking a bit fat. And this oh, is like, boy. yeah, like a teenage girl in the spotlight in the 90s, just mm. brutal. Like just you look back now and you go, that everyone was treated so appallingly by the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. And all the stories that are coming out kind of just now, you like most of them are lucky to be alive, I reckon. Yeah. I well, know that sounds dramatic, but it was like a really horrible time. Well, she said that she contemplated suicide and was living off a diet of Diet Coke and cigarettes and she went without food for five days once. Yeah. She's an incredible actor. I She's love Billy Piper as an actor. Yeah. So there's a new show written uh, that she's in, written by one of the people who wrote Succession. Um, it's called Do You Know Susie or something like that. I, think. Uh, I hate Susie. I hate Susie. There you go. I didn't yeah, want to yeah. Say that Thank you for bringing you. it up. Yeah, sorry. Like, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. But it no, meant, she's really good. Yeah, it's meant to be amazing. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. She's really too really many good. TV shows to watch. I know. I watched Deadlock though. Which, oh, did you like it? I loved it. I thought it was great. Thanks, Joshua. I had I had uh, Tom Ballard on here, and I told him my theory about the killer. And I won't spoil it for listeners, uh, but I will say my theory, not right. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Ballard is so good in Deadlock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my partner is um, not at all shy in saying how much he loves Tom Ballard in that oh. show and kind of giggles every time he gets on screen. I'm like, that's annoying, but okay. <laughs> um, all right, we are going to move on. Actually, you know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break and we'll come back after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. And we're back with the boys of the Backstreet. Now, this is the fourth and final single from their third album, Millennium. Here we have it. It is The One by the Backstreet Boys. It's almost like it's playing in a cathedral. I mean, not to be too harsh, but the never-ending story. <laughs> That's it. Yes. But you can tell why NSYNC sold more records. Yes. Oh, the NSYNC track is far superior. Yeah. All right. So according to, to the band, this song, they didn't really want this song to be the fourth single. 
but they I can, were, I can see why. they couldn't agree. And so they held a poll on the TV show TRL uh, mm-hmm. and they allowed fans to choose what should be the next single from the album. But Nick Carter, a member of the band and the fan yeah. favourite, said, I want the yeah. one. And the rest of the band said, we want, don't want you back. And so because Nick Carter had all the fans, they all voted for the one. This song sounds like every song at the end of movies as credit rolls. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it sounds like. It sounds like when you can't afford a really big song, we'll use this song. Yeah, get exactly. Some studio musicians to come in. And it's a sound alike, exactly. Yeah. So I mentioned how um, the Mickey Mouse Club had members in uh, NSYNC. Backstreet Boys also almost had a member of the Mickey Mouse Club in their band. So when AJ McLean was putting together the band, his neighbour was Ryan Gosling. I was going to ask the question about Ryan Gosling because knowing that he was in the Mickey Mouse Club and that he can sing. Yeah. Well, yeah, why did he never show up in a boy band? AJ asked him to be in the boy band. He asked him to be in the Backstreet Boys and he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on the Mickey Mouse Club. And then when the Mickey Mouse Club got cancelled and Backstreet Boys went major, uh, Ryan Gosling called up AJ and said, I'd like to be in the band. And AJ did not return the call. Um, idiot. That's, I mean, both are idiots. Like both AJ idiots. now, looking back, go, it worked out fine for Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure AJ McLean would love Ryan Gosling on the current, like, nostalgia tour. Um, Have you seen those clips of Ryan Gosling where he's wearing the, like, he's dancing on the Mickey Mouse Club and he's like, it's all other, all the all the other dancers in the clip are girls except for him and he's in this, like, purple sequence, like, hammer pants. It's so cute. He he just, yeah, he's he's adorable. Well, on the flip side, Aaron Carter was asked to be in the Mickey Mouse Club, but he turned him down. Because he wanted to focus? On the Backstreet Boys. On the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. And so as a 13-year-old kid, he was offered a $50,000 contract, but said, no, I want to be in the Backstreet Boys, who were only getting $35 a day, Susie. Again, idiot. It worked. It looked odd. Oh, it actually didn't work no, out. No, it, it didn't work out for He's, kind of on any yeah. front. All right, let's move on. Oh, we've talked about these. We're going from Backstreet Boys to some different boys, the Venga Boys. This is Shalala space La La. Here we go. <laughs> Wild thing. Yeah, although this is already a cover from a song from the 70s. Okay. The finger boys make me very happy and very sad at the same time. Look, of all the bands we've talked about on this podcast, they're the most surprising on how loved they are. Yeah. Like we did an episode with Dicko. He yeah. loved them. Alexi loved them. Like, I can't remember who the other person was, but they were, I think it may have been Lizzie Who, also big fan of the Venga Boys. Yeah. Oh, totally. They make me sad for music, but happy for me. Yeah. It's fun pop. It's what, yeah. yeah. See, this doesn't sound very Venga Boys to me. No. I, I, this sounds like in their live show, they need to have a bit of a rest. Yeah, yeah. This is intermission. So the rest of the band going off for a costume change. This, They're all drinking glasses yeah. of water. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a cover. Yeah. 
Well, do you want to hear the cover or the original? I mean, oh yeah. So the original was by a Danish glam rock band called The Walkers, and it came out in '73. So this is their. So this is even faster than. Oh, this is great! Yeah. Now, I didn't know this was The Walkers. I'd heard this song before. But yes. if you told me this was, like, Sherbet, like Daryl Braithwaite, I would have, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's like Beatles light. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Yeah. So the Venga Boys isn't too far removed from it. They've put their no. kind of Venga Boys sheen on it, but it's it's mm. it's fine. Uh, the Venga Boys version went number one in New Zealand and Romania. What? New Zealand <laughs> love the Venga Boys. They love that song? I think they just love the Venga Boys. I think they just want Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, it went top 10 in 15 other countries. Here, number four. Again, I don't remember it. I don't like remember it. Like it sounds familiar and yet I don't know it at all. Yeah. But the original, banger. It is. Speaking of bangers, this one. Now, I say her name incorrectly. I apologize in the past. It's Aaliyah. I think I was saying Alia. So I'm very, very sorry for when I was talking about her in the past. Here is <laughs> Aaliyah with how a song about my pronunciation. Try again. Here we go. <laughs> Fuck, oh, this is I'm going gonna, to gonna make a big call. I think this might be the biggest song on volume 32. I agree. Timberland. That's yep. who we're listening to right now. Yep. And this is in a movie. Romeo Must Die. I mean, going from the Backstreet Boys, the Venga Boys, and then this, it's this is so far more advanced in terms of yes. songwriting and it's so it's produced production. so yeah. well. Yeah. All right. Look, I, I'd play the whole thing if I could, but we can't. So I have to stop it there. Yeah. I think I tried to learn the choreography for this. It's yeah, it's amazing. So here is the Aaliyah story. So when she was twelve, her uncle Barry Hankerson launched his own uh, company called Blackground Entertainment. And signed a deal with Jive Records, who put out so many of the boy band uh, songs that we've had on these compilations. Like, so they mm-hmm. just a massive album, a massive label to be signed with. Okay, so they signed Aaliyah on the spot. They were like, "She's a star. She's twelve. I, I can see." And anyway, Hankerson was also R. Kelly's manager. Yep, and so mm-hmm. he introduced her uh, to R. Kelly uh, when she was fourteen. Oh boy, I know. They recorded their debut album, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. 
no. It's always a thing that's like just in plain sight. It's just there. So R. Kelly produced the album and wrote every song on the album. And it's just look, it's looking, it's horrific. Okay, so yeah, R. Kelly secretly married Aaliyah in '94 when she was 15, and they'd given her a fake birth certificate that claimed she was three years older. Mm. Vibe magazine published the marriage certificate, and uh, they denied the story. But then a few months l- later, Aaliyah's family had the marriage annulled. Aaliyah and R. Kelly were never associated with again after that. And she never, ever spoke of their relationship, neither public or privately, according to sources. So detaching herself from R. Kelly, I'm telling you, she's a genius. Uh, She moved from Jive Records to Atlantic Records, where she had some new collaborators in Timberland and Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. Just a smart business move. (laughs) Yes, it was. So she was an absolute star, and then she was doing the transition into acting, so this song is from the film Romeo Must Die, where she stars alongside Jet Li. Now, the film wasn't great, but the soundtrack, people love the soundtrack. And she, mm. when she signed on, they said, oh, yeah, we also want you to be on the soundtrack. And so they said, you've got four songs, just do whatever you want. And so this was uh, produced by Timberland and Static Major, who we've talked about before when we talked about Genuine's Pony. He also mm-hmm. produced that song. Just a couple of bangers. Uh, yeah. So... The original idea uh, was that Try Again was going to be about the importance of persistence. But Barry Hankerson, her manager, said, no, it's got to be a love song. And so they reworked the lyrics. And so the chorus stayed the same, but then the, the, the verses were different. The, yeah, okay. Yeah. And if you listen back to it with that in mind, you go, oh, yeah, I can see that this doesn't really make sense. But it's such a good song that you kind of go, who, who cares? Okay. Yeah, I don't think I know any of the verses. No. Uh, but then in 2001, uh, she flew to the Bahamas to film her Rock the Boat video with Hype Williams. And then she flew back to Florida, but the small private plane was overloaded with passengers and equipment. And the pilot, uh, when they did an autopsy, was later found to have alcohol and cocaine in his system. So just after takeoff, the plane crashed and all nine people on board, including Aaliyah, uh, the coolest person in the world, dead at 22. So Horrendous. sad. Um. But did a lot in those 22 years. There's, I was going to say, yeah. phenomenal talent. Yeah. Also could pull off um, the hipster pants. Yes. She was. She really nailed the hipster pants, uh, which not many people can do. No. And I know this was the era of them, but there was. there's only about 12 people in the world who nailed them, and she was one of them. Yeah. Uh, here's something else about her. She also had started filming The Matrix Reloaded. I think that that song has a Matrix vibe to it. Is it because I could see that being in it? She was wearing was pants that were a little bit metal. No, I don't think it was in it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she her scenes were replaced with uh, Nona Gay. I don't know who that actor is, but yeah. Neither do I. Yep. Anyway, great song. Sad that we won't have any more Aaliyah songs on the compilations. Moving on. Now. Moving on. We have. Talked about this band once with their huge, huge song, Poison. This is the not as well-remembered follow-up. It's Bardo and their song, I Should Have Never Let You Go. Here we go.
I mean, it doesn't really kick off, does it? Not, no. Seems we play the game, but last along the way. Somewhere we Oh, no. I, th- I think that's Kelly Underwood. No, Katie yeah, Underwood. Katie? Yeah, Katie Kelly Underwood. Underwood's the sports reporter. <laughs> She was really the the hardest worker of all of the yeah. voices in Bardo. I'd say she was the uh, sporty spice of Bardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't remember this either. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. It's music for montages. <laughs> all right. Oh my gosh! I was play. convinced I'd never heard it up, up well, until the chorus. I didn't think I'd heard it before. I knew I'd heard it because it was uh, in the in the TV show Pop Stars. So, oh, of course. Did you watch Pop Stars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched both seasons of Pop Stars, but I just don't remember that song. But the chorus, yes, is very familiar. Well, this was this surprised me because they were, they released Poison and the TV show was still on air. Mm. So they didn't end with going, all right, now here's our final episode. We're going to release the single. Because, of course, everyone wants to know what happens next. So you have a number one yeah. single. So what happens to the band after that? How do they react? And so mm. this was released as the final episode of Pop Stars. They were releasing their second, their second single, so Bardo went straight to number one. This, fourteen. Now, I mean, I think fourteen is generous. This, this, that's the show I want to see. I want to see. All right, you've had your hit. Now you haven't had a hit. How is the band reacting after this? I mean, Poison was awesome. Poison is a great song. I feel very proud of Poison, and I think Bardo should be. But that's yeah. just not. Um, I mean that's that's music to yawn to. Yeah. Look, I I think once again it's people being oh, what's the, people seeing people wanting to fulfill a dream and taking advantage yeah. of that. Yeah. And so these people they'll do anything to fulfill their dream and maybe in the long run they probably shouldn't have <laughs> put himself in that situation like they did. But like you said, it would have been great TV if you'd built right up until Poison, release Poison, massive hit, end of season. This is my thing. Doesn't matter what's next. My thing with TV, all TV finals, finales, it's always like, yeah, but I'm still wanting more. What what happened next? Every TV show, like The Office did, should have a Christmas special. So you go, all right, how are they going now? I still Mm. would love to know, after watching The Wire, What's Daquan doing? Please just let me know he's okay. He's, <laughs> I've never felt more for a character than that young boy who was like had no chance and seemed to be going on the right track and then it all but taken away from him because of like just bureaucracy. And it was like, oh. Josh, is this why you've started doing podcasts just so you can say that? Yes, this is so the whole reason. you can reason. get the word out there. Someone write some fan fiction. I want to know <laughs> what happened next. But so I like... <laughs> I'm one of the few people, my, my kids were watching the new season of Hunted. And so we've just had the Matildas uh, play, who did we play on the last game? I watched it. We played Denmark. And Denmark. it was exciting. But my kids 
were like, oh, can we watch Hunted first and then turn over? And so we watched Hunted, the final, and it was like they knew that, all right, no, everyone's going to be watching Matildas, so let's get it, get it out of the way so the winners can get their money and we can contractually oblige to say, yeah, we completed the TV show. Because <laughs> there's no, like, you know on a reality TV show, you want to see them, see the other contestants and if they're working as a team, you want them to see the other member of the team and say, we won or none of that. Yeah. It was just they got in the chopper and they flew away. It was like, <laughs> give us something. I want to see them, how they talk about how they're going to, you know, share the money or not share the money or whatever it was. Did your kids enjoy it? They did enjoy it, but they were the same as me. They wanted to know why. My wife was the one who was enjoying it the most. She was like, all right, Hunted's on. We're all watching Hunted. And so, yeah. But then we turned over and watched the Matildas and that was way more exciting. So good. And this is how little my wife cares about sport. When Sam Kerr came on, she was like, "Who? who's that? And we were like, that's Sam Kerr. And they're like, why is everyone going crazy? And we're like, because she's the best. And then I was like, have you never watched an ad? She's on every ad. Like, and yeah. Beck was like, I just don't care about sport. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. But did she enjoy the game? Uh, no, she went off and did other stuff. Okay. Yeah. So me, yeah. me, and, me and the boys watched it. For everyone. We loved it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is the show. That is Hundreds of Hits, Volume 32. Now, Susie, what we do at the end of every show, we go through and you tell me if it's a hit or it's not a hit. So we're going to okay. start with Madison Avenue, Who the Hell Are You? Hit or not a hit? Hit, 100%. Hit, okay, great. Then we have Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. Yes, also a hit, although the film clip, not a hit. Rock DJ, Robbie Williams. Hit. Fragma, Toker's Miracle. Um, as a song, yes. As as far as their marketing goes, not a hit, but great song, hit. Hit, okay. NSYNC, It's Gonna Be Me. Yeah, it's a hit. Imagine if we just stopped there. That's 100% hits. But 100% hit. We don't stop there. Now we have Billy Piper, Day and Night. I'm going to say not a hit. I'm saying we're 98% hits at this point. The One by the Backstreet Boys. No. No hit, not a hit. Venga Boys, Shalala, la la. <laughs> not a hit. Aaliyah and Try Again. Yes, 100% hit. I Should Have Never Left You, Bardo. <laughs> not a hit. We went five out of five, and then the last, the back five, one out of five. We were six out of five, 60% hits. 60% hits at best. But some of those hits were like 110% hits. Yeah. It's, it's really strong, the first half. Anyway, hey, thanks for doing this, Susie. Uh, you got stuff to plug? Anything to plug? Oh, yeah, just go and watch Deadlock on Prime. Watch Deadlock. It's still up there? Uh, it's great. Storyline's great, the acting's great. Tasmania has never looked cooler. It's great. You must be so proud. It looks freaking amazing. Well, it's not my neck of the woods. I'm I'm up north. No. Um, yeah. But uh, there's the, the Bay of Fires. That's that's closer to the kind of uh, environment I grew up in. Yeah. Which is another. But Tasmania still, show. it's very it's very beautiful. As far as Tasmanian pride goes, you could wear that one. Yeah, I even like the little nod to chicken feed which only Tasmanians would have got. It's great. <laughs> uh, hey, thanks everyone for being our Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. If you would like to be a Patreon subscriber and get a bonus episode every week of Hit Machine or Pod Machine where we talk about Hit Machine, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. That's patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Hey, next week we've got Andy McClellan coming on talking about the second half of this. Will it be as strong? Spoiler alert. No, the songs are not as strong. Anyway, <laughs> hey, thanks, Susie. You've been the best. See you next time. Thanks, Josh. Bye. Thank you. That was great.